it's important to look at these stereotypes about mothers, about your own mother, that have caused you guilt and shame. Because if we don't look at them, they will continue to control our behavior and hold us back. Katie, Katie, let it out. everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Katie Delbau and I am your host and this podcast is called Let It Out with me. So I talk to fascinating people, everyone from artists to comedians to entrepreneurs to therapists and coaches and we talk about all sorts of topics. If you're new, that's what we do here. And if you've been listening forever, thank you so much. You're so cool. I'm so grateful to you guys who listen to this podcast because it lets me do it. It lets me talk to such amazing, fascinating people, both on the air when I record the podcast, but also when I get to do live podcast episodes or events or just in daily life when I get to meet people who listen to the podcast or we get to connect in the Facebook group. It's fantastic. So thank you so much for listening. I'm really excited about today's episode, as I am every time, but especially about this episode because I think I might be introducing you guys to someone you are not familiar with. I have Bethany Webster on the podcast, and the really cool kind of full circle thing about finding Bethany's work is that years ago, I talk about this in the episode that we'll get into soon, but Years ago, maybe two, three years ago even, when I had first started the podcast, or it'd been around for a little while, someone, one of you, hopefully you're still listening, hi if you are, reached out to me and sent me a link to one of Bethany's, today's guest's, blog posts. And she was like, I think you might have this, and I think you might want to read this blog post. And I was like, wow, that's crazy how this person who I only know from the internet, who I've never met before or spoken to before, got to know me at least through the podcast and what I had shared on the podcast. And so I, of course, was like, oh, thanks. And I don't know, but I'll read this. And so I checked it out. And it was a post about the mother wound and what that is and and everything you're going to learn in today's episode, basically. But I was like, wow, this is fascinating. And very, very relevant to my life. So the mother wound isn't really what it sounds like at all. My mom is amazing and so great and fantastic and one of the coolest people on the planet. And obviously I'm biased and and think that, but the mother wound doesn't have anything to do necessarily with your relationship with your mother, how your mother mothered you. It has a lot more to do with you. And we're going to get into all of that in in today's episode, but we talk about obviously what the mother wound is, what the symptoms of it are, which I had like every single one of them, why self-care is key, setting boundaries with your mother, processing your childhood, which no matter how amazing or awesome your childhood was, there's always stuff to process and deal with. And we get into that. We talk about how mothers now can be aware of these topics we discuss and how they can be aware of that in their parenting and how they bring up their children, especially their girls. So 
fascinating conversation, very, very honed in on this one topic, but I think it's important and hopefully my questions are relevant to you. So we talk about so much more than that um, with just those few things I, I mentioned, but around the mother wound and around Bethany's work. And I think I really like this conversation. I, I found it fascinating. And, you know, I want to, usually I try to get right into the, the episode and this won't take too long, but I, I do want to chat a little bit about why this particular topic is so relevant to me right now. And Really, I think any time in our lives it can be relevant, but I've been thinking a lot lately about the relationship with parents and adult children. So I think when we're younger, when we're kids, the roles are so defined between parent and child. You know, they're the one in charge, you're the subordinate. They're the one that is telling you what to do and what to eat and how to live your life simply by being themselves. And then there's kind of this role reversal that happens and you have to learn how to have your relationship kind of go into this new uncharted place and that can be overwhelming and scary for both a parent, I'm sure I can't speak to that obviously, but I'm sure it must be a ch- huge challenge from being like, wow, I'm not as needed, you're still needed but just in a different way as I was when my child was younger. And it's really, I, I was listening to an episode of the Pete Holmes podcast where he was speaking with Grace Helbig, who's amazing, and I've read a lot of her books, and she's a YouTuber who's super cool, and you guys know I love me some Pete Holmes, but they were having this fascinating conversation about parents and adult children, and really inviting your parents to enjoy you as an adult, and how that can be so uncomfortable. You know, it's like another regime coming in. And you really have to establish your roles as grown-ups with still being parent and child. And, you know, our, our parents are, are meant to provide us the rules. They're the authority figures in our lives. But nobody teaches us how to adjust ourselves to becoming more of a peer with your adult children and letting go of that authority figure status. And that thing, that process of life that happens is is really fascinating to me. I mean, you innately figure out how to become a parent, but then they have to navigate and figure out how to become a peer to their adult child and really let go of that control and just be like, you know what? I taught you how to take care of yourself and you don't need me to keep taking care of you and maybe there should be like an adult health class where parents can learn how to become more of a peer to their adult children that for years they had to nurture and care for and suddenly they don't have to anymore and that must be a really big transition. So anyway, I know that it can be a way of parents showing love that they want to still do their laundry and still nurture and care for and be in that comfortable role of parent rather than transitioning into peer. And sometimes I'm sure that the transition is is very smooth and and not a big deal at all, but I, I think it's different for everyone and I think it's different for every parent and child dynamic. It's just something that they were talking about in that podcast that I thought was really fascinating and interesting and I'm sure everyone's experience of this is really different and we don't really talk about that in this episode but I just thought I would mention it and just 
the concept of, you know, maybe a better liaison to having a relationship with my mom or with my parents isn't them taking care of me or doing my laundry or helping me with something. It's actually connecting over real conversations. You know, it's talking about movies or books or other things in caretaking. So I think it's kind of like you have to train that relationship to become what you want it to be by example and asking questions. And that's something I'm, I'm really curious about now is I want to know more about my mom and, and what it was like for her growing up and, and what she was like when she was my age and less about the minute details of life and less talking about other people that we both have in common people we know and what they're doing or what people that I went to high school are doing or other things in our family but just talking about talking to each other as people kind of like I was having her on my podcast so that's maybe some homework I can perhaps give people this week of when you do see your parents or your family members pretend you're me I guess pretend you're hosting a podcast and and get to know them with questions that you might not usually ask them because I I find it's really fascinating and it's really great to get to know your parents as people rather than your parents and there's a great episode of Master of None the Aziz Ansari show that's on Netflix that I love and I've talked about before where I think it might be called parents but it's fantastic and it's about immigrant parents and they end up taking their parents to dinner two friends take both sets of parents to dinner and really interview them about their lives and and get into stories that they've never heard before so I just think that's that's a great thing to do in general and we're so connected to our parents and especially our mothers as women which we get into in this episode so all right that's really all I have to say about that Now we'll get into the episode with Bethany Webster, but quick announcement, definitely stick around to the end of this episode because I am going to be making an announcement about something new and so exciting, I'm so excited about this, you guys, that is coming to the podcast in the very next episode. I'm starting a mini-series that's totally fresh, totally new, and you'll hear all about it in the next episode. Well, at the end of this podcast. So just stick around to the end and I'll come back and I'll tell you what's going on. But until then, enjoy this episode with Bethany. And if you like it, let me know. Send me a tweet. I want to know your thoughts and your feedback. The Facebook group, I guess, would be a really great place for us to discuss this. So join that. The link is in the show notes. You all know how to get to the show notes, right? Yeah, it's just my website. You can just click the link there. And follow me on social media so you can let me know, you know, what you think of the podcast and writing a review on iTunes. I say it every week, but subscribing on your iTelephone or your Android telephone is so helpful to bring more people to the show so I can keep doing it. If you find value in the show, giving it a high five that way by subscribing and leaving a review. I know it seems silly and writing Yelp reviews and doing a survey after you leave the post office or whatever like there's so many surveys you have to do and it's just a lot (laughs) but I swear it helps so much so every time you do it I really do appreciate it and I'm so grateful and I just want to keep doing this podcast so if you like it if it makes you feel less alone if you learn something if it keeps you company on your commute please share it and subscribe and leave a review 
All right, I love you guys. That's it. No ad this week. If you want to donate, you always can. It helps so much. That's again in the show notes. And I love you guys. I'll talk to you at the end of this episode with a big, huge announcement. Not that huge, just like a normal sized announcement. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm so excited for today's guest to learn from her. She's an amazing writer, transformational coach, speaker, and someone that I really respect and admire and I'm really excited to learn more from. Bethany Webster is here and her work has appeared everywhere from the Elephant Journal to the California Journal of Women's Writers and she has a book coming out all about her work with the mother wound. So I'm so excited to learn more from you, Bethany. Thank you for being here. Thanks for inviting me, Katie. It's really great to be here. I'm excited to I'm excited for our conversation. Same, me too. So you talk a lot in your work about something called the mother wound and you say that the core issue at heart of at the heart of women living in their not living their lives to their full potential is something called the mother wound. Can you explain what you mean by that and define it for us just right off the bat getting started? Yes, absolutely. I'd love to do that. Yeah. So what is the mother wound exactly? Um, The mother wound in a nutshell um, is really an internalized set of limiting beliefs or patterns that we may hold that originated from the relationship with our mothers. And um, it's my belief that we all have this to some degree um, just because we live, men and women, um, because we live in... um, really what's a patriarchal culture, which is just what what I mean by that is just that women are seen as less than, you know, and have been for hundreds of years. You know, we've gotten better. We've made a lot of progress. But for the most part, women are still seen as less than. And um, the mother wound, the way, you know, and the mother wound is really a product of the patriarchy um, of this cultural phenomenon of women being less than. And the the way that the mother wound comes to be is that, um, you know, it's on a personal level, you know, a lot of our mothers have been just trying to help their daughters and sons survive um, and passing along messages that tell us, you know, in one way or another, some form of it's safer to be small. It's safer to not stand out, to not be visible, um, to not, um, you know, go out there and and speak your truth because it wasn't safe for our mothers to do that. Um, so in many ways, it's our mothers unconsciously, you know, just trying to keep us safe and help trying to help us survive. Um, so that's one part of it. You know, that's one part of the mother wound. Another part of it is that cultural piece that I just talked about. Um, and then another part of it that I like to talk about is kind of like the spiritual part of the mother wound. And what I mean by that is that, you know, our mothers are really the most central person in our life that determines our development. And our culture in the world really hasn't come to terms with the fact that women, and specifically our mothers, are the most profound, not that our fathers aren't important, but our mothers are really pivotal, like critical to, you know, our development, to us um, being healthy, to loving ourselves. It's like, you know, the way our mothers treated us becomes how we treat ourselves. So we really need to, as a culture, come to terms with um, the role of women and, you know, um, in determining how we as a culture live. And I think we are coming to that point where um, 
we are like evaluating where women and you know, need to be seen in our culture as equally, you know, important. Um, so there's that personal level and also whatever stuff our mother hasn't dealt with in her own life. So whatever disowned pain that she has from her own mother or from her own family easily gets passed along to us. So it's very intergenerational. And many of us are struggling, um, you know, trying to be, you know, it's like as little kids, we grow up in our families, right? And many families struggle to some degree with some kind of dysfunction or some kind of pain. Um, and as children, what happens is we develop um, coping mechanisms. You know, it's like we're brilliant as little kids. We develop coping mechanisms to manage the pain and to keep developing. Um, and that's a survival mechanism. And it's awesome that it really helps us survive. But the second part of it that gets kind of tricky is that when we become young adults and even later in life, you know, throughout our adulthood, we want to thrive. We want to, you know, get out there. We want to create the lives that we really will fulfill us, right? Um, so the very things that help to keep us safe as children become the very obstacles that we have to dismantle as adults to really actualize ourselves, to really be free and sovereign beings, and also to bring forward new ideas and solutions that the world is asking for. So I know you wanted a really simple uh, description of what the mother wound is, and I know I've kind of gone on some tangents no, here. No, that was great. But I want to just give you kind of a view of the complexity of how the mother wound is really a product of many different cultural and personal forces. And it's something that remains very taboo in our culture. Um, you know, me, the reason why I came to be doing this work is because I went through a very long mother wound journey myself and went really deep into it and was really committed to healing it. And I had a lot of um, surprising uh, awakening ex experiences through going through my own healing journey. And I wanted to share with other women that the mother wound is not this thing that we need to like avoid and feel shame about and feel guilty. It's actually a doorway into owning our divine feminine power. And I was actually a little scared in the beginning because I'm like, you know, not many people are talking about this, mm -hmm. you know? And I actually looked around for a lot of resources when I started feeling, wow, I'm going through something really major and transformational here. There's not a lot of people talking about it. And I was like, all right, I have to speak out. I have to bring this forward. So I chronicled my own journey, what I went through, this, the very same steps that I took, the sequence of steps um, to really kind of come out the other side of the mother wound and decided to, to share this widely and just started my own blog. And it's just kind of spread like wildfire and people are, are coming out of the woodwork from all over the world saying, you know, you're describing me, you know, I, I'm not the only one suffering with this. So a lot of women, especially women, um, really suffer with a mother wound and for generations. So I think it's a really powerful time right now to be a woman and to be doing this kind of inner work because what we're really doing is we're working with um, creating the inner safety that we need in order to really actualize and in be initiated into our own lives. You know, there were cultures past, um, you know, where women and men went into some kind of transformational experience, whether it was a ritual or some kind of initiation, where they really got they really got it on a deep level that their lives were really their own and that they now held a place of adulthood 
in the tribe or in the um, group that they lived in. And we don't have that in modern times. And I really come to see that this work of healing the mother wound is really an initiation process where we both detox from a lot of the um, limiting patterning and beliefs that we've had from our culture and from our families. So we detox from that and we heal whatever trauma we've experienced as children and young adults. And then as we dismantle all that and we look at all that, we simultaneously gain very clear access to our authentic core self, the self that is connected to all that is, the part of us that is uh, one with all beings, the part of us that is a higher, connected to our higher self, right? So it's amazing to me because I've seen this now enough times. It's just amazing that once we do this kind of decluttering and clearing and this grieving process, and I, this is a kind of a broad overview, it's much more in depth than this, but eventually we get that access and to our core self and things begin to shift and reorganize around us in ways that are really quite magical and interesting um, where we get the, the impulses, the inspiration. Um, we feel like we belong on the planet in our bodies um, as as part of humanity, um, to the earth. Um, so it's really kind of like this really powerful, deep global transformation where as we each do it on our own personal level, we actually help to create a larger scale collective transformation, not just around, it starts with our mothers, right? We look at our mothers and whatever kind of pain or suffering occurred there. And that that is the doorway into really having a realization and an awakening about who we are on a much more profound, deep level. And that awakening is what can catalyze kind of an exponential level transformation around who we are in a kind of evolutionary context. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. No, it's really great. And so when I found your website, I think someone sent it to me. I think someone listening to the podcast even. Thank you. It was years ago. And I read your main post and I and what I want to ask you next is about the because for people listening, they're probably if they're unfamiliar with your work, which a lot of people might be, they might be like, wow, that sounds great. That sounds amazing. I want to heal that, too. Or like, do I even need to heal that? What what is it? And so I I would love if you could talk a little bit about and you talk about this, you address this in that post that I found about the symptoms of signs that you need to heal the mother wound or that there's a um, that you are in the process of healing a mother wound and when i read that list i remember being like yep 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 like this and i just identified it so identified with it so much that i had to read more and i had to learn more about about your work and then ultimately have you on the show so could you talk about signs and symptoms of this being an issue in people's lives Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of symptoms of the mother wound that most of us haven't even considered to have their roots in the mother wound. Right. Uh, But they're really connected to our sense of self. So some symptoms that that can be, you know, symptoms of the mother wound are like, you know, this vague, persistent sense that, you know, there's something wrong with me. Um, You know, comparing yourself to other people, never feeling like you're good enough. a sense of guilt for wanting more than you currently have, um, you know, not feeling safe enough to take up space and use your voice, um, arranging your life around not rocking the boat, um, 
self-sabotage when you become close to a breakthrough. You know, you're like working really hard towards something. Everything's all set. But then at that last moment, you tend to like hold back or hang back. Um, that's really common. Another one is some sense that you might be waiting for your mother's permission or approval before you can really step into like what you really want to do. Um, there's also, you know, just to mention, there's also a lot of things I hear from women all over the world because I've, I've talked to hundreds of women now. Um, some cultural things that we get shamed for that we don't realize is part of the mother wound. Like, um, one of the things I hear the most from women all over, the one thing I've heard through so many different cultures is women feeling like, you know, my mother is like really close and kind and caring and loving and present for me when I'm struggling. But when Mm -hmm. I'm doing well and excelling and feeling really fulfilled, my mother's a little distant, a little more distant and a little less present. And so there's confusion there, um, like a subtle messaging that, oh, don't be too successful. Don't be too happy. Don't be too – and it's not anything conscious on the part of the mother usually. It's just this very unconscious thing of, you know, um, it's really a sense of scarcity that, you know – and a lot of women feel this way. Like if I'm really successful, if I'm really happy, what if my mother's not happy? How can I be happy if my mother's not truly happy? Mm-hmm. Um, or – you know, my mother didn't have it easy. You know, she suffered a lot. How could I, who am I to just go forward and be happy if she's never had happiness in her life? Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you have to have any anger towards your mother for any reason, you know, people might say, oh my gosh, you know, don't, don't express the anger to her. You know, she's tried her best. You only have one mother. Don't ever, you know, confront her with that. Don't be an ungrateful daughter, you know? So, so our mother, our relationships with our moms are fraught with, they're complicated, right? And, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of tension usually in in a lot of these relationships with mother, between mothers and daughters. And, but it's never really openly talked about and it's never openly, um, acknowledged. It's very rare, um, where there's a mother daughter who can really openly support each other and express you know, um, their pain. So mother daughter relationships are kind of like on a spectrum. So there's really healthy mother daughter relationships on one side, which is great. And they're out there and they're awesome. But there's on the other side of the spectrum are relationships that are more fraught with trauma or abuse or just, uh, neglect. Um, so we all fall somewhere on this spectrum. Um, and it really depends on how, you know, your mother's health, you know, how emotionally healthy was she? Did she have any trauma with her own mother? Um, so that's a big determining factor, yeah. um, as well as other things in the family too. But what we have, the thing I'm trying to point out to everybody is that um, there's a connection. There's a connection between any kind of tension or pain or suffering that we have with our mothers that's unresolved and our ability to step forward and be powerful and claim what we want in our lives. There's a connection. Um, so, Exactly. In that article, Katie, I talk about that the real core issue at the heart of women's empowerment is this mother wound issue. And it's time for us to, as women, I think, really kind of break down this taboo and any kind of shame so that we can really support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in doing this healing work. And it's not about blame. It's not about blaming our mothers at all. Like our mothers, you know, suffered and went through their own, you know, painful journeys of um, their own lives. And so in our grandmothers before her. So it's it's really this trans intergenerational healing that we're doing as we do this work. And we're not blaming our mothers as much as we're like 
really looking at the relationship with our moms as a source of information about where we came from, how we came to be, how who we are, so that we can take stock and really um, get clarity around what happened so that we can transform and create the lives that we really want. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Is that Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I have so many questions that I want to ask you. I'm <laughs> like I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I hope I can get them all in because this is just so fascinating to me." So, I think the the big benefit here to healing this and doing this work is that if you don't, we'll we'll find ourselves repeating the same patterns of our mothers and our grandmothers in our lives in, in some ways. And yeah. this, I was recently doing a podcast with someone else a, a couple of weeks ago, and somehow we were talking about the fact that sometimes women or people in general, when they don't want to examine their own stuff, they don't want to do the personal growth work because it's hard, it's so challenging as we all know, they instead um, have children as a way to kind of like not deal with whatever's going on and just like that will kind of be where they can put their energy and it just, I don't know, just got me thinking of that. But I would love to now kind of flesh out a little bit more about how you, how we can heal this. What are some things that we can do? Because I think a lot of times these relationships, like you were saying, with um, mothers and daughters are complicated and very different. There's that spectrum. So I would love for you to share a couple things. What does a really healthy relationship between a mother and daughter look like to you? I'm sure there's different definitions of that. And then how can we all move towards that? You know, I'm sure there's very different, differing degrees of unhealthy relationships or toxic relationships. But, you know, I can even give you an example, like maybe it's that closeness is you know, too much or, you know, you feel like you can't express yourself. I know I can identify a lot with the concept of like, I can't really feel great in my life if I was in a fight with my mom or if she was upset with me for some reason. I feel like I can't enjoy what's going on because I I was so connected with that. You know, we're so connected with our mothers. We, you know, lived inside of them. So there's a lot of like connection there. So what what is your approach to healing it and what are some things that, that we can do? I know that was a bunch of questions in one, but no, I was hoping great. you can talk on that. Yeah, absolutely. I will. I'll totally speak to that. And I agree with what you said too about, you know, um, how connected we are. And there is a sense of kind of enmeshment mm-hmm. uh, that can happen um, where mothers and daughters are so connected either, you know, in a positive or negative way. Like there's a lot of manifestations of kind of enmeshment that can happen where, it's like a toxic codependency. Um, And this work of healing the mother wound is what kind of breaks that so that both mother, and this is the healthy part, the healthy vision for mothers and daughters Mm -hmm. is that both mother and daughter can be empowered, meaning an individual who has their own opinion, their own thoughts, their own experiences that are held as valid, inherently valid and separate. And on the other hand, to be loved So really what mothers and daughters are all looking, longing for is to be separate and connected, separate and loved, to hold both an equal measure to, and what has happened because of the um, kind of atmosphere of scarcity, of personal power that patriarchy fosters, meaning 
you know, if you say what is patriarchy, it's women are less than. So that that in itself is a scarcity model. It's saying that we we're not enough. We don't have enough. We're not good enough. We're not valuable enough. We have to suffer. So that's the atmosphere where mothers and daughters are trying to thrive in the world. And that creates this scarcity dilemma where, you know, if a mother hasn't had the capacity, the willingness, the opportunity, whatever, to actualize herself and to be sovereign and seen as whole and valuable within herself, um, she can't pass that on to her daughter. It's just not possible. We as women cannot give our kids, and we as people, we can't give others, we can't hold space for something that we haven't already cultivated within ourselves. So it puts mothers at a disadvantage already because we have this long, long history and you know, this uh, dynamic has a very long held momentum. Um, so what we do is we heal the mother wound and I'll get more in detail of what that is. We're actually kind of breaking that enmeshment and we're making it possible where mothers and daughters can have both, you know, where daughters won't feel like, oh my gosh, if I really, you know, I can't be happy if my mother's lonely or depressed or has money problems. You know, those are really worries that a lot of women have and it cripples them. It cripples them for life. It's a really big cost. It's a cost to their lives where they don't get to experience their full potential. It's a cost to the world because the world doesn't get the experience of, you know, the collective women of the world really owning their power and their brilliance and their, you know. So it's really this kind of crippling thing where also uh, if you think about a mother's perspective, you know, she's suffered a lot. She hasn't had the chance to fulfill her potential. She's been in a kind of caretaking role maybe or maybe have been neglected so she can't bring that forward. And if her daughter really does self-actualize and step into her power, she might feel a sense of loss mm -hmm. because she's never had that chance. So it's, it's, it's really real. And, you know, a lot of our world has just glossed over this, like, oh, it's fine. You know, it's not, you know, you know, just suppress it and move on. You know, that's been the motto, um, generations forward. People put things under the rug and really thought that it would go away they really thought that, you know, especially back in the 50s, you know, there was this whole thing of like, you know, be quiet and look pretty, you know, mm -hmm. everybody thought that that was the way to survive. And a lot of stuff was put under the rug, you know, alcoholism, addictions, a lot of family stuff, no one talked about it. And so these are our mothers and grandmothers. And, and, um, yeah, so we're faced with, we're kind of at this interesting juncture. Um, and the way that I propose that, you know, the way that I went through it on my process combined with some research that I did on my own around this process is there are seven steps to healing the mother wound. And I've heard from, you know, I have an online course where I teach this in and I also coach privately. Um, women have told me that it's amazing. It actually follows the process exactly to the next. It's kind of like a sequence that you go through. Um, and I can tell you quickly what those seven steps are, if you'd like me to. And then I can go into some steps on what are some things that you can do now yeah. to really get started on this Great. process, exploring what it is. Because, it, you know, it is, um, it's a structure to give you the sense of progress, to know where you're at and to feel your progress as you heal it. And um, the support is also important. Um, 
there's a real collective healing piece. I see the, my um, clients and participants who are on my Facebook group and in my Q&A calls, there's a collective healing when you connect with other women who are also healing their mother wound and breaking the taboo. And there's a lot of taboos that we break in the process, not just this big one of the mother wound, but also the taboo that we shouldn't have feelings, that we that our feelings are inconvenient and unattractive and we should hide them and that we should look a certain way and be a certain way. It really explodes all of those um, and not in kind of this oppositional way, but just in this organic way where we're kind of dismantling all these like mandates that, that women have had to live under and men too. And they suffered as well and in different ways. So this isn't just women, but there's a particular kind of suffering that women go through. Um, and there's a particular gift inside the wound that women get as you do this work. So let me just jump right into my seven steps. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I'm excited to hear the seven steps. And then I was going to ask you anyway, what are some actionables that women listening to this right now can empower themselves with right after this? Okay, perfect. I'll, I have that ready for you. Amazing. Okay, so <laughs> just a quick <laughs> overview of the seven steps. So the first step um, is looking at your mother as your foundation. That's what I call the first step. And what you do in this step is you, and this is something you can do, any of your readers can do right now after this call, which is um, looking at what your mother's beliefs were, okay? Whether explicit, like she told you, or uh, implicit, just through her actions and choices and decisions, you can surmise what her beliefs were. But really taking an inventory of, you know, what were your mother's beliefs about her body? What were her beliefs about money? What were her beliefs about women, about men, about sexuality, about her own potential in the world? What were her beliefs about food? Um, you know, all of these different areas of life really take some time to reflect on what were your mother's beliefs. So some of these things she might have told you, you know, through like, don't do this or don't do that, you know, um, or yay, go for this. You know, this is important. Um, or it could be just things that you could surmise through just watching her behavior and observing her. You know, what did she really believe? Um, and some people are like, okay, I'll do this. You know, some of my people in my course and then they do it and they're like, oh my gosh, this was so like powerful to do um, because what it does is it gives you real insight into a few things. One of them is that, you know, they're your mother's beliefs. They're not reality. They're not truth with a capital T. They're just the things that she believed that you absorbed to some degree. It also gets helps you get clarity on where you may have absorbed her beliefs unconsciously um, that really aren't true for you. And it gives you the point of power where you can actually choose to, that you want to actively start believing and acting in, in, in accordance with a new belief. So that's really powerful too. It just gives you a lot of clarity. A second piece to that one is to do the whole inventory on the same areas, but with what your beliefs are in that area, in those areas. So it gives you clarity on what do you actually believe and why do you believe that? And, and so you can really see how things overlap and also how you're an individual in that relationship. So that's step one. Step two is examining what are the stereotypes or myths that prevent you from looking at the mother wound. So for example, those things we talked about earlier stereotypes like, you know, you're an ungrateful daughter if you are angry with your mother, you know, mm. or, you know, um, the myth of the perfect family, you know, the mother and daughter that share everything and, and our best friends, you know, that can cause shame when we don't have that kind of relationship. So step two is really looking at 
what are the stereotypes and taboos and, and myths that instill shame for the truth of our feelings? Because the truth is all of us have negative feelings towards our mothers at some point in time. You know, mothers are right. actually either idealized or demonized in our culture. There's no healthy, there's no way that the society looks at mothers right now that allows them to be complex, multifaceted beings. They're very much um, kind of demonized or idealized. So that puts us in a bind as children. How do we handle our, our complex feelings towards our mothers? They're not considered complex beings in the, in the culture. So we have to suppress and we have to deny and we, and this is, does a number on our sense of self and, and um, because everything that we do in relation to our mothers as we develop becomes internalized about how we feel about ourselves. So it's important to look at these stereotypes about mothers, about your own mother that have caused you guilt and shame because if we don't look at them, they will continue to control our behavior and create and hold us back in our lives. Um, so that's step two. Step three is identifying your mother gap. The mother gap is the gap between what you needed from your mother and what you actually received from her. Um, and, you know, every mother, you know, no mother is perfect, right? Mothers are human beings with limitations and flaws. They're human. Um, so that's normal. You know, no mother is perfect. Um, there's always a little bit of a gap. Um, but some gap is, some gaps are much larger. So it's really just getting clarity on what was the gap between what you needed from your mother and what you actually received. The reason why we look at this is because we often project this unconsciously onto other people. This gap can cause a lot of pain in our relationships, um, in our sense of self, self, um, actualization, like what we feel capable of doing, how we value ourselves. We can project it onto our spouses, our children, our colleagues. So we need to look at our gap of mothering. Not and the reason why this is powerful is because we can fill that gap from within ourselves. We begin to see that we don't have to look outside. You know, we can never get mothering that we lost. Our childhood is over, but we can learn how to nurture and mother ourselves in this very powerful way, where we become the source of our own needs. We can fill our own needs within, um, and that's really what this entire journey is about: is how to be that mother to yourself that you never got, so that you can actually create that inner bond of safety that you didn't get when you were a kid. You can get that bond of safety now with time, with practice, with consistency, and then that is what frees you to really step into your power and be unstoppable. Mm. So that's the mother gap. That's step three. Step four is um, allowing. Um, I'm sorry. It's giving up the impossible dream. I'm doing all this from memory. <laughs> You're Give amazing. <laughs> this is such an inform. This is like the most information-packed, jam-packed podcast I've ever done. I don't want to like kill the momentum, but you're rocking it. It's amazing. <laughs> Good. I hope I'm not talking too much. No, this is so great. I This is so great. I'm so grateful you're sharing all this. This is like fascinating to me and I'm sure everyone. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I'll just keep going here. I'll try to yeah, keep, keep it, going. Uh, brief. So step four is giving up the impossible dream that one day your mother will change into the mother that you've always wanted her to be. Now, the truth is that all of us as children, if we experienced any kind of maternal wounding here, will have created a story like, one day my mom is going to be different. And, and that's a survival mechanism that a child creates in order to survive. It's a survival mechanism, and it's great because it helps us to ward off the pain of the moment and in order to keep going. It helps us to become safe enough to keep going. But there's a point when we need this, this, this dream can be a driver of a lot of dysfunction, like I mentioned earlier, it can become an obstacle when we're trying to thrive and like fulfill ourselves and have lives that truly lives of meaning and purpose. So 
what we do when we give up the impossible dream is we really allow ourselves to take in that it was never our fault. Everything that happened with our parents when we were growing up and we were children, we were dependent on them. It wasn't our fault. There was never anything wrong with us. We didn't do anything to cause them to abandon us or hurt us in whatever ways they might have. It was really ultimately very impersonal. But we have to give up this dream that one day it's going to change and one day mother's going to see us and understand us. You know, this actually can translate into things like, you know, one day when I, you know, get the next degree or when I lose that 10 pounds or when I make this much money, then everything's going to be fine. It's when we get on that wheel, that hamster wheel. It's because the child inside of us who's still, you know, in a suffering trauma place needs that dream to keep going because it doesn't feel safe. And so when we give up the dream, we're really becoming the mother to ourselves in that moment by helping her to see that mother isn't coming and, and, that, and that she's safe. So it's about cultivating that safety as the dream is being let go of, that she is safe now, even without her, you know, that particular person, that you as your adult self are there with resources, tools, nurturing, and comfort for her so that she can come more into the present moment. And that brings me to number five, step five, which is allowing yourself to grieve. In our culture, we don't have many places to grieve. We don't have models of healthy grieving. Yet grieving is one of the most key points on our journey that allows us to actually have, actually have lasting and meaningful transformation in our lives. We have to grieve our losses. It's act, there's actually a lot of neuroscience now about how the brain processes experiences through grief. That's how we can consolidate experiences. That's how we learn. It's how we grow. It's how we create neural pathways in the brain. So grieving is such a critical part um, of the healing journey. So here at this step, I really teach people about grief and why it's our ally in our healing and how to make space for it and allow it to be there and to um, experience the richness of it. Because the truth is the more we can grieve, the more we grieve, the more free we become. So um, that's step five. Step six is transforming the inner mother. So all of us have our mothers in our in our brain, right? We hear our mother's voices from time to time, sometimes really happy and happy for us and sometimes really critical. The point here is that we transform our inner mother inside of us from a duplicate of our outer mother with her wounds and limitations into a mother who can actually abundantly meet our needs and celebrate us and comfort us and love us as who we really are. So it's about ultimately taking responsibility and learning how to mother yourself. And I have a whole process I teach around inner mothering. And um, it's a skill that anybody can learn and it takes practice. It takes time. But ultimately, it's um, such a rewarding journey. And believe me, I tried all different kinds of things besides this on my own journey. I didn't want this to be the answer, you know, the inner child work. Um, and there's a lot of stuff on inner child work, but my work is different because I really talk about the inner mothering piece. Because the truth is, if we don't change the way we mother ourselves, we're going to mother our inner child exactly the way our mother right. us, which is, you know. So um, this is really the key. This is really the key. And I tell people this all the time. Come back to the inner child. The inner child is a living energy inside of you. And this is sometimes what's at stake when, you know, we're trying to make change, but there's always like this really entrenched pattern, you know, patterns that replicate over and over. It's usually the inner child trying to find safety. And even though the things of our past were painful and hard, the inner child, if she knows no other way, will go back to that mm -hmm. because it's familiar and it's comfortable and she wants to be safe. Mm -hmm. So it's all about changing our algorithms of safety. 
that's really like the magic of this work is um, and it's it's not something we can do in our heads either. It's something that we have to engage in on all levels, like our emotions, our bodies, our hearts. We do need the mind as well, but we need to actually sink deeper um, into our felt experience. Um, and that's part of the, the the taboos that we break in this work is, you know, like really embracing our feelings and learning to see them as a source of information, a source of wisdom, rather than something that we need to suppress and manage and avoid and all that. So there's a lot of stuff in the step six, but um, that's it's the essentially the transformation is we transfer that sense of attachment bond from our outer mother with her with her limitations to our inner adult self. And we switch back and forth. We learn how to be the child within us and how to be the mother. And we can hold both. We can be the holder and the held. Um, and this is a really powerful um, experience. Is powerful. that kind of why, just real quick before you share the, the last one, if, is that kind of why, you know, when people are, are saying, oh, I'm turning into my mother, you know, almost as like a, a bad thing, like watching patterns that, you know, maybe they didn't want to recreate that their mother did into themselves. Is that kind of where that comes in? Is they're, they're mothering themselves the same way as they were mothered? It could be much more than that, but I think there, yeah, there's a connection there to that. I think with that, what you're talking about is really about the ways that we see, you know, when we do things that we didn't consciously choose, it just shows, it's just more evidence that of the influence of our mothers, mm-hmm. you know, on our early life and how we, the patterns, I mean, she laid the, the blueprint. We were one being with her. So we absorbed her mental energy. It's almost like her psyche was like our first environment. Right, so right. we really absorbed everything there. And I think that piece just shows just how powerful it really is. Yeah. And I don't think it's destiny. I think it's just, we can that's really the richness of the mother-daughter relationship is we can mine this relationship for all these gifts of insight, learn about ourselves. And then when we learn about ourselves, we can make new choices and decisions when we involve the inner child and when we actually mother her into a safe place where we can go into new directions and into new choices that are really exciting and and truly new, truly innovative. Um, This is fascinating. So I think you're on, you still have to share seven. Yes. So now we got we come to the last one, which is step seven, which is emergence. I call it emergence. And basically what this is about is, um, and we get here, I think, with the, enough inner mothering, with enough grieving, we eventually come to the emergence place. And emergence doesn't mean you're done. It doesn't mean like you're done, like end of journey, you healed your mother wound. I don't really actually believe there's a quote unquote end point. Um, I think, yes, the mother wound does heal. Um, and what healing, what I define healing the mother wound to be is when the, the wound transforms from a source of pain and depletion into a source of wisdom that continues to over to bring overflowing wisdom and creativity into your life. It's like the wound doesn't go away per se. It's, it's like it doesn't disappear, but it's the whole framework and nature of it changes where it becomes this place um, Almost like it breaks your heart open into a whole new level of compassion where and creativity where you can find yourself again and again, new layers of insight, new layers of experience that become available to you. And we get to that place when we've healed, quote, enough, which is different for everybody. But it's usually at the place where we've done enough grieving where we can um, – you know, it doesn't deplete us as much. It just now becomes the source of new information, uh, new ways of being. And it's like we live a new world into being as we go with each layer. Like I'm still healing 
um, my own mother wound. And with each layer that I heal, there's new power, there's new potential I'm accessing. Um, there's bold risks that I'm taking. There's exhilaration. You know, it's just with each level, there's more empowerment. So it's like the wound becomes a gift. Right. Um, and so in this step, I teach people about what to expect when you reach that level, because sometimes what happens is the more healed we become, the more grief can actually come up. We can actually embrace more and more of our own pain. And it's some people might think, oh, well, gosh, you think you're healed enough. You wouldn't actually have to feel any pain anymore. Sometimes the opposite is true, at least for a while, because all those parts of you that have been disowned and in shadow become want to become conscious. And these parts of you come in up for integration. So we become actually mothers to ourselves. We become this amazing, capable of holding all kinds of pain in a loving way, all kinds of parts of our, ourselves, you know? Yeah. It's like we become that structure, that new structure that can hold the vastness of who we are. Um, it's But we first have to dismantle the, the first one we inherited um, slowly in, in very small increments. And then we, at the same time, we build a new structure, which is the inner mother, which can hold and embrace us in all our facets and all of our complexity and all of our aspects. We can, the inner child within us can see that it's, it's creativity, it's innocence, it's wisdom is welcome and loved. And as the more and more we can love ourselves, we we really radiate this whole level of frequency of possibility and, and love. And we just, just by being who we are, it's like, it stops becoming about wanting to be someone else and wanting to get your purpose. You actually become your purpose. You become a living being who is transforming all the time. And it's, um, things come much easier to you. And it's just, it's a beautiful journey, um, that just keeps going. So I talk about that, um, in step seven. Nice. So talking about, actionables that women now hearing that I think just the where the simple fact that you're aware of this issue I think is helping people just I feel helped by that simple fact and just reading that post which I'll link to and hearing this conversation I think that awareness is really the first step to healing any of this and but I would love if we could give them some actionables that they could take with them today. My book, my work is primarily around journaling. And so I would love if maybe you could give the people listening like one journal exercise or one, it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but um, something they could explore in their mind right now or in their journal um, to begin to kind of heal this or at least find some awareness to what's going on um, in their relationship with their mother. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say um, the first, the thing I mentioned earlier is a good one to start with, the mother wound, um, the mother belief inventory. So journaling about your mother's beliefs. Mm -hmm. That's going to be key. I would do that, definitely. Another one I would do is... Um, is is really cool. It, it's it's around more interactions with your mother. So, for example, make a list of all the situations in which interacting with your mother brings you stress. So, is it like at holidays, or is it when you talk about a certain topic with her, or is it a certain thing she does that drives you crazy? Um, I don't know. Whatever you know, kind of causes you tension with your mother. So, write about that experience. What is that situation? And the second part of the journal exercise is, you know, usually, you know, a little backstory, but usually what causes us tension with our moms a lot of times is feeling like we have to wear a mask around her, feeling like we can't be our full authentic selves, feeling like we have to wear some kind of mask. 
So the second part of the thing will be to write about like what what is the pressure for you around not being authentic? So is there a certain pressure you feel to act a certain way in that situation? Um, you know, so write about that. You know, what's the te- what's the actual source of tension within you um, that you feel like you can't be your full self in that situation? You know, maybe you would write about the fallout. You know, if I told her what I really thought, you know, she would just like freak out and get upset or, you know, whatever your, your worst fear is about that. Nice. And, and, and then the third part, which I like to ask people to do is to just think of like one or two little micro steps that you could take where you could feel that you could be more of your authentic self around her. So for example, the second part could actually be, what would you like to do if you could do anything? If what would your authentic self want to do in that situation? So say if your mother, like, criticizes you a lot around a certain issue, like your career or something. And you really want to say, you know what? I, I'm feeling like really unsupported right now with what you're saying. It feels like you're not supporting me. It feels really critical and I feel unseen and, and, um, you know, really alone right now in this moment. Maybe that's something you would want to say. Um, you know, it's, it's like, so in the third part is really what little tiny steps could you take to really be more in alignment with your, true self in that moment with your mom. And when what this does is we're getting to that place where we can be separate and connected. So feeling out what the boundary is there because sometimes you can be more authentic than you think and it will be fine. But you don't know that unless you take a risk. So it's really about, you know, what can you do to take steps to be more authentic with your mother? Because if you can't do that with your mother, it's going to be harder for you to do it with other people in your yeah. life. That's such a great point. I found that in my own life where I will anticipate how my mother would react and therefore, you know, either get anxious about it or not share something when then I do it and it's totally not the reaction I thought. It was all projection. Um, (laughs) And then I've had other times where it has been exactly what I thought. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to explore. Um, So one particular thing I definitely want to touch on is and this is an issue I think a lot of women have with mothers is boundaries um, and setting those boundaries and keeping those boundaries and um, and yeah and just that issue. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's boundaries are very important in your relationship with your mother, especially um, if your mom has been in a situation where she's really like used or felt really invested in you as kind of part of her sense of self. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really important to set boundaries. And I encourage people to just set them bit by bit. You know, you don't have to like set a boundary and that's it forever and it has to be really strong and it's gonna be a source of conflict. I say experiment with little boundaries and and always start with a place of what do you want? Like what would be ideal for you in relationship with your mother? And really sit with your body, really sit into that, feel into it. What what do you really want to have happen in that relationship? in terms of the boundaries. Like how often do you want to see her? How often do you want phone calls? How often do you want to stop by? How often do you want visits? Like think about really what would work for you and honor that because most of the time people don't start there. They're like, well, she expects this of me and this is what a good daughter does. And and it's really important that you honor truly what's right for you because otherwise the tension will continue. And I find that um, – 
a lot of mothers can be really, they can really be, be responsive and, and totally on board with new boundaries. Mm-hmm. It might be a little turbulent in the beginning, but sometimes it can be, it can really work out well. Um, other times there can be backlash, there can be um, conflict, um, but all of this is information for you. Um, all of this is information about the true nature of the relationship and relation, information about you and what you want, and what works for you and what doesn't and really valuing that. Um, and it's also great in terms of communication, like really articulating what your needs are, what you will do, what you won't do, what's yours and what's not yours. This is all really important stuff. And whatever's happening in that mother-daughter relationship that's unhealthy or enmeshed um, or not spoken or whatever, um, it just kind of bleeds out into other areas of your life. So that's why I always encourage women to work on this relation, this relationship, whatever, not necessarily the relationship, but really yourself because the mother wound isn't really about your mother in the end. It's really about how you've internalized that relationship to relate to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really about getting in tune with what you want, what works for you, what doesn't, and then holding strong and feeling your value in that. Another key piece that I want to say encompasses all of this is self-care. We cannot make big changes without self-care and support. So I always tell women to really get support in terms of both your daily self-care routine and also reaching out and getting support in terms of their therapy or coaching or, um, you know, community like women's circles or, um, you know, some kind of support so that you can feel held. Because when we're working at this very foundational level, you really want to set yourself up for success and not end up blaming yourself and you know, because you made a step and you weren't ready or something. So um, I really want to tell everyone that, you know, mothering yourself really comes down to self-care as number one. And I start all my clients and my students out with self-care as like module one. We have a big talk about what self-care means and how to get yourself really highly resourced because um, when we're really supported, we feel supported, then we can really make changes more easily and fluidly. And of course, it's hard in the beginning because we all have this hang up in this culture that, you know, when we care for ourselves, we're depleting others. But we need to take steps into really like being bold and like living into that more. And with enough time, you actually start to really get it like, yes, this is so important. Um, So boundaries, absolutely. And I find that women who do set boundaries with their mom when they start doing this work do really, really well. It's nice to give yourself some measure of space, some little degree more space from your mother when you're doing some deep inner work, especially around the mother wound. Um, Why? Just because it gives you space to really feel into your own energy and feel into what's what's right and what's real for you. It doesn't mean, you know, it has to be forever. It doesn't mean it's, you know, um, you know, it's just you owning your value and owning your space and um, feeling really solid in that. Um, And it gets easier with time, you know, practicing boundaries. It's a continuous journey. Um, But it really, this work of healing the mother wound helps you set boundaries that really support your highest and best self. Nice. So I I have like two more big questions I, I have to ask you. So for the mothers listening, and you already touched on this, I think, but I would love if you could just talk about briefly like the ways that they can raise children with ease in this process so there's less to be healed um, through adulthood. Anything there that you want to share? Yeah. So um, I get asked this all the time and um, the the answer to the question is that the way that you can um, 
you know, clear the way for your own children and, and not pass this along is to heal your own mother wound. Right. It's really just to do the, the work, um, do the work yourself and um, not worry so much um, because sometimes when people work with me, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I keep thinking about what I'm doing with my kids while I'm doing this work on my mother. And I say, Temp, you know, just put aside your mothering for now, like as a primary focus and just work on this work of healing the mother wound. Put, put yourself in the perspective of a daughter. Mm -hmm. The truth is the more you can heal the daughter inside of you, the better the parent you're going to be. Because if you can have empathy and be present with your own inner child and, and really like process whatever you didn't get processed from your own past, that automatically creates space for you to be really empathic and present with your own child. It's amazing. It just automatically happens that way. And yeah. I've seen it over and over again. So, um, but there are some like, you know, things you can sit with um, and really contemplate, you know, are you putting any pressure on your daughter to mother you in any way? Um, you know, do some exploration around, you know, is there anything you're asking your mother that your daughter to do that you need to do for yourself? Are you triggered by your daughter at all? What triggers come up? What are the situations that trigger you? What is this? How is this connected to your own mom? You know, um, there's a lot of really fruitful, rich questions that you can ask yourself as a mom that can bring more awareness into how you are with your daughter. If you sense that there's any, um, you know, projecting happening around that, because of course there is, you know, right? It's mm -hmm. like whatever we don't deal with from our own past, we're going to pass on. So in effect, our parenting can be an incredible uh, barometer of how we're doing with our own mother wound. Um, because the more we deal with it on ourselves, the more we're going to see our parenting shift and change in really positive ways. So it's, it's a really cool journey. It's like a conversation. Yeah. Kind of goes back to self-care too, just in the fact of, you know, taking care of yourself actually isn't selfish. It takes care of everyone. It is. It so is. So another thing I'm really curious about and a topic we cover on the show every time is body image. And so I would love if you could talk a little bit about how the mother wound plays into poor body image in, in particular and how healing the mother wound can help with that and anything you want to share about that particular topic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, you know, in those first days and moments of our lives, it's like our mother was our body. We, there was no separation between our body and our mother's body. They were one and the same. So it's it's huge. I find that the majority of you know, people I've talked to that have really strong body issues is some tie into to mother because mother was also food. Mother and food were one thing at one time, you know? So the way we nourish ourselves, the way we nourish our bodies, the way we look at our bodies, it all is tied in with, with our early experiences around eating, around taking in nourishment into our body, around comfort with food. Um, you know, and I find that even on my own journey, you know, I definitely went through a period of a lot of body issues myself. And I found that, you know, whenever I had issues with my mother, I would always, um, like eat really bad food. Um, or I would always like, you know, look at my body and think, oh, there's something wrong with it. You know, like I got to fix something. Um, and then it would go away if, if the problem kind of like went like dormant. It's like the focus on the body went away. Um, so it was a real clear thing for me. And also the more I kind of gave myself, loved my body more, like actively, like consciously and deliberately loved my body and took loving care of it. And even when it was uncomfortable and didn't even feel authentic, but I kept doing it you know, all while this mother wound stuff, healing it, um, 
my actual perception of my body changed. Like there, I remember this particular day I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I look like. I've been thinking that I looked so different, like bad, much badly. Like I actually looked at myself in the mirror and was like, I look fine. Why was I even think, why did I spend years worrying about this? Um, and I remember one day I, I actually, um, years ago was like, I, I was had this pressure to exercise on myself and I was like, you know, I got to go out and take a walk. I haven't been outside and I haven't exercised in like a week and, you know, and, um, but I knew it was coming from like my mother's voice in my head. Like you should do this. You're not going to be valuable if you don't. And, and I, I remember I, that day I stopped and I said, I'm not walking until it's only for me. Mm. You know, I'm not going to obey this voice in my head. That's not my, that's not for me. It, that's, you know, like, right. and it was, it was just my mom's own stuff that I absorbed that was about me. It was never about me. So, you know, the, the whatever body issues we're having around, you know, eating, <clears throat> self-care, taking care of our bodies, um, it's ask yourself if you're having any issues around that, what, how does this relate to my mother? How, what around the issues of nurturing myself, loving myself, rest, um, and, you know, you could even ask your, you know, reflect on what was your mother's beliefs about her body and about food and about exercise and all of those things. Because, you know, there has been so much pressure um, for women to look a certain way. And a lot of mothers pass that on down, thinking it was a way to help them, help their daughters feel good and look good and get accepted by society. And, you know, sometimes it's with the best of intentions. And sometimes it was because they were miserable themselves and, you know, couldn't be happy for their daughter's in their physical life as well. So it's, it comes from a lot of different places. Um, but mothers were very powerful in, in terms of modeling how to be a woman in the world, how to be, um, desirable, how to, how to feed oneself, how to be healthy. So, um, my thing would to say would be just like, look at this, look at, look at the mother wound in relation to your body. And I can tell you that the more you kind of make some progress with it, the more the body stuff often just dissolves yeah. because it's not really something to solve. The, the body stuff is really a byproduct of a wound. Um, and, and for some of us, it happened a lot around like adolescence, you know, and we started to become women. And, you know, I hear from people all the time about how traumatizing it was to get their period and no one, the mother never told them anything or they shamed them or slapped them or something. And it was just like this desire to not want to be a woman on some level because there's no real loving there was nothing welcoming them into womanhood. So getting breasts, getting hips, getting, you know, junk in the trunk, you know, like it was all traumatic because our mothers weren't welcomed into their own womanhood. So how could they really welcome us? Um, so I know I'm rambling here, but no, um, I think that's really great. So another thing I was going to ask you and the last question I ask everyone, whoever comes on the show is, and I think we can maybe enmesh them into one since we don't have much more time, but as you know, the name of my podcast and this blog is The Wellness Wonderland. So I ask everyone as the last question on the show, what does a wellness wonderland look like for you? And I want to know that answer. And also, I was going to ask you, you know, what are some big successes you've seen in your clients and really big wins from, from doing this work or in yourself? And so maybe you can kind of even blend those answers into one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um what I, wellness wonderland to me is like a world where women 
well, two things. It's a woman's body where a woman feels pleasure and feels loved and feels supported by herself and feels like really free, free to follow her own rhythms, you know, eat when she wants to eat, move when she wants to move, who feels strong and feels beautiful and feels um, just loved in every cell of her being and and feels exhilarated and just full of life. Um, So I think that it's like on that level, the personal level, it's just a woman loving her body, a woman knowing that she is amazing and beautiful and just part of all that is, like knows her place, knows she belongs and um, feels free to stretch and move and grow and be whatever she wants to be and knows that there's no limits to her capabilities and to her becoming what she wants. So it's almost like desire and meeting of a desire always, just Mm -hmm. one continuous cycle. So I'd say that's within one woman, but also the world as a wellness wonderland is a world that loves women and that supports women is not afraid of women's power in like their cycles and their changes and their flow and sees that as part of their deep, deep wisdom that they're here to share. And so, um, and that also includes, you know, the feminine and men feeling supported to all our feelings are sources of information and beauty and that we see each other as complex, extraordinary beings Uh, where nothing needs to be suppressed or pushed away or shamed or guilted, but really seen as infinitely lovable and blessed. I love that. What a beautiful answer. I love every bit of that. I want it to be like that now. (laughs) What a great society, Utopia. Thank you for the question. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I could talk to you for like 10 more years. You'll have to come back. But for now, can you let everyone know where they can find you and anything you want to share? Yeah, absolutely. And I um, that leads me into re- realizing that I forgot to share, um, answer one of your questions, which was, you know, what do, what do I see in my clients? And yeah. so the thing that I see the most is that when women heal their mother wound enough, they are inspired to be active in the world and to be active in their passion. And so it's been amazing for me to see numerous women get in touch with their passion for sharing, sharing their voice, sharing their truth. And oftentimes things that people aren't really like, you know, new information. So stuff that's taboo, they're like going to, they address it. And it's, it draws to them all kinds of people that are excited about their work. So um, I see leadership just emerge from women who do this work deeply enough um, and feel safe enough to really like step forward in some way. And it doesn't mean being extroverted necessarily, but like bringing forward their gifts in whatever way that works for them. And I've just actually started working with women um, entrepreneurs, women who are um, leaders and um, entrepreneurs who know they have work to do on their mother wound in order to go to their next level. So I've just launched um, kind of a VIP high level program for um, women leaders, um, private coaching program on that. But I also have regular coaching um, as well, not just for um, leaders and entrepreneurs, but I also offer private coaching programs. Um, and I also offer um, like a more accessible online course, which people can just buy. You can just sign up for um, on my website. Um, and it goes through the, my whole seven step process on healing the mother wound. It's 
It's a beautifully designed, comprehensive program. Um, it has a ton of resources, but it's beautifully laid out. And you also get um, community support in the form of my Facebook group, which is very vibrant um, and global. <clears throat> And you also get um, two Q&A calls a month. So it's, it's a really comprehensive course. And my goal is to have like hundreds of thousands of women take this course. Um, and I continue to get crazy, amazing feedback from the changes that women get through this course. So um, really excited to share that. Um, and I also do workshops around the world um, in the US and Europe mostly. Um, going to Warsaw, Amsterdam, London, and Rome this year. <clears throat> and I'm, I just came back from Boulder and did a couple workshops there. Um, and some West Coast opportunities are showing up too. So a lot of workshops um, happen. And I just invite people if they want me to come to their area to just get in contact with me. But um, you can find all this information on my website. It's uh, womboflight.com. It's W-O-M-B-O-F-L-I-G-H-T.com. Three words, womb of light. And I'll have the link in the show notes. So they cool. Just click yeah. And I invite there. you and check it out. I've got like tons of free articles and a resource list and you can get a lot of information there um, and learn more about yeah. the work I do. And I'd love to connect with any of you. Thank you so much for, for listening to this talk. I hope it was inspiring for you. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And I'm glad that we had this topic because like I was telling you, we haven't addressed this at all. So, and, and like you said too, there's not many people talking about it, at least in this really comprehensive way. So thank you again. I know you have another call to get to, but this is really a great conversation. Thank you, Katie. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for the opportunity to be in your podcast. It was wonderful. I uh, look forward to being in touch. Thanks so yeah, much. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. All right, you guys, that was my conversation with Bethany Webster. I hope you enjoyed it and thought it was fascinating and learned something just like I did. I really am so glad she came on the show, and I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So please let me know in the Facebook group or tweet at me. Just get at me. Let me know what you thought. And now for my big announcement. Girl. So I'm starting a new mini-series of the podcast. So if you've been listening for a while, you might know about my Katie Wonders episodes, which are my favorite episodes where I share things that I'm grateful for and I'm loving in many different categories, and I'm going to still be doing that. But this mini-series is going to be a little bit different. The first one is going to come out next week. And for those of you who don't know, I live in Detroit, Michigan. And I moved here to this area about three years ago. I didn't grow up here, and I moved for a job. It was never a place in my mind as a child that I really wanted to be necessarily, and I never really grew up coming here. But when I did, I made the best of it and I realized that I actually love it here. And the vibe and the landscape and the food and the art and there's so many cool things happening here. But most of all, what I love is the people. There are so many cool young people and artists and entrepreneurs and creative people that are moving to the city. And they're so fascinating that a lot of them have become my non-internet real-life friends that I get to meet in person and actually physically touch and see and have a meal with. And next week is going to be the first installment of that. So I can't wait for you to hear that. It's really great that I get to tell you guys about this place that I'm living a little bit more because, because it's less known than New York or LA or a lot of the other cities around the country. And it's a gem, you guys. There are so many fascinating people here. And I cannot wait for you to meet them and hear about them 
because the cost of living is so great here, a lot of young people, a lot of artists, a lot of creatives are moving to the city to start their thing, to do their thing. And I've gotten to meet so many of them and I want you to meet them as well. I would get a lot of questions of, you know, why do you live there? And this series is really going to answer that question. It's because of the people. So I can't wait for you to hear them. I'm not going to tell you actually who the guest next week is because I've actually recorded quite a few episodes with people who live here recently, but I don't know which one I'm airing next week. So if you sign up for my newsletter list, which you totally should anyway, I will shout out who's coming up in this new Highlight Detroit series in my newsletter before it comes out. So I'll highlight that this week in the in the email for this episode. So make sure you sign up there. Get excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fascinating. And basically, you know, the conversations are going to be the same. They're they're similar to, you know, what all these let it out conversations really are. But I'll be doing them in person, mostly. Some of them I've, I've still even been doing over Skype, even though we're both here. But it's going to be a, a different dynamic a little bit because it's someone I've actually met for the first time in person. So I can't wait for you guys to hear these conversations, be part of them. And then I hope to do a live episode here where, you know, maybe people can come visit and we can make like a weekend of it or something. Wouldn't that be fun? Like a big group hangout with a live podcast and some other activities. And yeah, if you'd be down to that and come visit me here, I would love that. So let's talk about that in the Facebook group. And I just want to say again, thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. If you want to give the show a high five, the way that you do it is subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. I really am so grateful for you guys. I can't wait for you to hear more about Detroit and this city and what's happening here and get excited about it. And of course, I'll be doing episodes with people who live all over the country, all over the world and traveling and doing live podcast episodes, hopefully everywhere. If you are in a city that you want me to come and do a live episode and interview some people there or interview you or you have a group of people who listen there, let me know. I would love to come. I love traveling. So I'll see you guys soon, hopefully in person. And if not, I'll be talking to you in your headphones next week. Bye.